According to a McKinsey study, there are more women in entry-level retail jobs than in any other industry. However, as their careers in retail continue, only 30% of these women make it to senior-level leadership positions, and of those, only 13% make it to the C-suite. This is the Women's Retail Collective podcast, where we pull together retail's most influential women to talk about their careers, how they made it to these senior-level and C-suite positions, and how they lead their organizations through a rapidly evolving retail industry. I'd like to introduce our guest, Laura Heller. Laura is Director of Editorial Content and Communications for Publicis Health Media and a fellow Forbes contributor. Laura, thanks so much for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me, Anne. It's always fun to catch up. So, Laura, just for the audience to understand, Laura is really um, who Chris and I uh, attribute to us even being able to do the things that we do today. Laura um, and Chris reached out and were able to get connected early on um, as we left Target. And I think, you know, Laura holds a very special spot in, in our hearts here at, uh, at OmniTalk and with all the work that we're doing. Um, so, Laura, it's especially wonderful to be able to have you uh, on this podcast because you're certainly a woman in retail that I've looked up to and who's really been a mentor for, for both Chris and I. Um, so thanks again for taking the time with us today. I'm so excited to share your story with the rest of uh, the Women's Retail Collective uh, audience. It's um it's unusual to to be the person who has a story because as a lifelong editor, right, right. I tell other people's stories. Right, so, right. Well, I I'm not want always to... comfortable talking about myself, but I'll give it a go. Well, 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 I'm sure we can take this step by step. It'll be it'll be easy. Um, let's start at the beginning. I I want to hear kind of I know you grew up in Chicago. Tell us a little bit about kind of where you, what you did in school and kind of how you started this career that you have today. Oh, sure. Gosh. Yes. Once upon a time, I uh, went to Chicago public school. I'm from the North side, Rogers Park, really. And I, uh, I went to the University of Iowa for, to be a writer. You know, they have the Iowa Writers Workshop there and a really great journalism school. And it just turns out that I was much better at telling other people's stories than I was at making them up wholesale. So I just, um, I went into journalism, uh, wanted to stay in the Midwest, and the opportunities were in B2B publishing. So I started in the retail space in 1995. So yeah, I'm that old. And my first job was for a grocery publication that went to the grocery industry. So Laura, was how did you get into retail? There's a lot of B2B options that you could be covering as a as a writer and reporter. Why retail? Uh, you know, it was the opportunity that presented itself. Honestly, okay. the, the the first um, editorial gig I had was um, for a magazine called Chemical Processing. Ooh, um, sexy. Very sexy. <laughs> and, and the cover shot of every publication was like the the you know the mills in northwest indiana all lit up at night you know oh, nice very glamorous very. um and yeah but I, I i learned a lot you know i was only there for six months but i i started to figure out what was needed in the industry and then when a job opened at grocery headquarters or grocery marketing magazine i think it was at the time i took it and it was so much fun i mean because at this you know yes you learn an industry very deeply but you're also a consumer so everything that you're doing business-wise really touches you 
um, personally. So, so that was a really good entry for me to, to, to business publishing and business. And, and so with that, I mean, where were you drawing inspiration from for stories? Was it being in the grocery store and you'd think of something or like, you know, how do you just kind of get connected into that world? So it's interesting to think back on that because it was pre-internet, right? I think we had one AOL account for the entire office and we had to share a login and it was dial-up. Oh my gosh. Um, so how you, you did it by good old fashioned reporting. I went to a lot of trade shows. I think the very first one I ever went to was called Dairy Deli Bake and it was in Minneapolis. Ooh, um, again, this like, industry just keeps getting hotter and hotter. It's, uh, <laughs> can't beat it. It's, it's a, for, for the fact that it's the largest driver of the economy, right? It is a very intimate world, right? You, you and I know that we see the same people. We can go to conferences. It feels very, um, like home, right? When you, right. you show up and you're in Las Vegas and there's 10,000 people at what is considered one of the smaller shows that we have. And you know many of the faces, right? And yeah. shop and people change jobs, but they don't go out of the industry, right? You get to keep your, your skill set, your contacts, your knowledge, and grow within the industry, maybe different roles, maybe different companies, but we, we seem to, many of us rarely jump out of it. And, and that's what I've tried to do as, as I've moved through my, my career, because you don't want to let go of the people you've met and the things you've learned. What have you seen over the course of, you know, you started in covering grocery. I know you worked in electronics, covering ele the electronics industry for mm -hmm. a long time. If you look back at that, Laura, what are some of the changes or things that stand out to you as you kind of start with, with your first job out of college and, and you look at where the retail landscape is now? Are there things that have happened that you think like, man, these were really big major turning points in the industry? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I, um, I did. I was, when I went to work for Discount Store News, which, is, which became Retailing Today, um, that was a really big jump for me because it was not just covering the grocery sector, which felt very intimate. Um, and I started, I was uh, assigned a beat of consumer electronics retailers, the product category, and also Midwest-based mass merchants. And at the time, there were a lot more smaller regional players, right? in the Midwest, especially there was um, Shopco and Pomida and Duckwall Alcove, if anybody remembers that one. Um, and, and, you know, Target wasn't as big, but it was powerful. And there were a lot more um, department stores in the regional world. Um, many of them became consolidated under Macy's, right? That was before all of that happened. So watching the consolidation go on and also Sears, right? So Sears is in my backyard in Chicago um very very strong at the time in 1997 but you could start to see where things were go going off the rails right and so is somebody who's those of us inside the industry who've been here a long time have watched that right and and listen to the executives all along the way say oh no we think we have the right um plan we think we have you know the winning formula here we think we are so strong that it doesn't matter because we are you know the leader in our, our space and and then you, you every time you hear that as a reporter you cringe because you've heard it from all the failed ones that came before right, right? that's right. that's standard line along the way to the end right um, so that that's happened um and then the category killers in consumer electronics i mean that was a really strong space right when i started covering best buy 
they had hit a bump and um, had an inventory issue over the holidays that was that nearly put them out of business. And so I start covering them and they their stocks like down in the single digits, I think. Um, and people are not expecting them to survive. Circuit City is super strong. They were the challenger brand. We still had Radio Shack, which was really powerful, and CompUSA and the computer superstores um, and Fry's Electronics and all of those things were, were really growing as the personal computing space was coming online, even before cell phones existed. And so the people thought Best Buy wouldn't exist. And boy, did they show them. And so that was extremely exciting to cover that from the inside, get to know those executives along the way, hear their stories, watch the trajectory go up and down, and then see some of their competitors fall off singing that same song of, oh no, we think we have the right formula here. We're just gonna stick to our knitting. Right. Have there been have there been any companies, Laura, that you feel like really were able to accomplish that who did have the right formula? Are there anything any ones that stand out to you? I think Best Buy does. I think yeah. it's proven to be exceptionally resilient. Um, and and I think that part of that is because of the humility that they had to get in touch with. Um, you know, they, they exhibit, they, they exhibit a humility that is unique in, in successful businesses. Um, the, the hubris is what kills you in business. I think, um, that's my personal opinion. You know, that, that, you know, we know best is, is a, is a real stake through the heart and, you know, any business leader who can say, Hey, wait a minute, we made a mistake here. We are trying to fix it and we're working on the formula to fix it, but we don't think we have all the answers at this moment. And I think that maybe that's not the best message for Wall Street, right? But it is maybe the right message um, for for your business's health. And, and those two don't always dovetail. So yeah, that's that's my pick on that. And Target, I mean, there's something about Minneapolis, Anne. What can I say? We we're, we're of good stock. <laughs> Tell me what it's like to have been a or to be really a woman in this industry? You know, it's been uh, a real evolution, to be honest. You know, when I started covering grocery in 97, um, it was very much a solo boys network here. I, I feel like, um, you know, especially like that very first Dairy Deli Bake Show in Minneapolis, um, I was young and it was my first um, out of the office adventure, right? And I was walking around with a, a fellow reporter from another publication, also of the same age. And she and I, you know, it was a million samples, right? It's bakery. Right. And uh, you can only taste so many things and some, and I don't know if this will make it on air, but some, you know, one of the sales reps at one of the booths said, oh, taste this brownie, taste this brownie. We're like, I had enough brownies. Thank you very much. Can't have another brownie bite. And um, he says, oh, come on, come on, it's the best. Da, da, da. And so she and I each picked one up just to placate him. And he said, it'll be the second best thing you've ever put in your mouth. Oh my God, are you right? serious? Serious. Now, flash forward from that very first experience in that industry to today, there's a world of difference. We How would so? not eat. And so? I hope that that dinosaur has since retired and sat on the sidelines. Um, but it really sort of, it, 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 to me, I tell that story, it really illustrates where we've come and where we were. Um, particularly in grocery, it was very old school, right? It's a very old business. Um, and then I would also cover electronics and technology 
And while we hear a lot about the inequities in that industry, and they are true, it is also a place where there is a lot more um, youthful energy, a lot of new blood, and a lot of more open minds, um, less set in their ways. And so that was a refreshing um, balance for me to be able to do both. So I would go to CES, and yeah, there were booth babes, and yes, the adult video show was going on at the same time, and you had all of those old boys doing that. But at the same time, it was a different, um, it it was it was a different balance, and it was a different um, way of looking at women in their own industry. So, and I watched that change over time as well. And and the booth babes went away, and the AVN is now on its own, and you know we don't mix those two. There's still no lines at the women's room at CES, and there's always a long line at the men's. Um, but it's got, I take pictures every year and I can compare them and I say, okay, well, that is a little, it's a little different. It's a little more balanced. As you are, are kind of thinking about the rest of your career and where it's gone. Um, I know at one point you spent some time as the editor for retail dive, which is a, is a major publication, I think for our industry. Um, can you talk a little bit about what drew you to that position and kind of how how things have kind of adapted uh, since you you were there? Um, yeah, I, I was really excited to join Retail Dive and I had a, a, a good run, a great time there. Uh, they are a young and still growing um, publishing company in the B2B space. And so they, they publish a, a slew of publications across many different industries. And um, when I joined, they were looking to sort of accelerate some of the things they were doing. They wanted to be able to have speakers on panels and um, a, a different kind of a presence in the industry. They have a really great um, history of recruiting uh, sort of the best and brightest uh, journalists, like some of them straight from journalism school. It's a very young editorial team, um, very ambitious, very, very skilled and, and capable. And so um, what they wanted was this they wanted to add somebody and some people across any of their publications that were a little bit more established in these industries. And um, so that's when I joined and that's when I think you and I met. Um, and as such, you, know, I, 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 you mentioned in my intro how I met you guys and, and Chris in particular was I got an anonymous tip from somebody at Target saying, hey, you should really read this guy's stuff. You just put this out on a blog, you know, like Chris was just like, he had a lot of thoughts and he needed them to get out there somewhere. So I read this blog post and I got in touch and I was like, it's very funny, very astute. Um, we publish contributed content. Would you like to publish for us? And so that was the beginning of that relationship. Uh, so that was fun. And, and I was able to do a lot of really good things with Retail Dive. It's a, it's a grueling business. And that's um, part, I, I, I left not because of anything other than the fact that working on an Eastern um, time zone deadline every morning and from the Midwest, you know, um, was sort of like, you're always on, right? You're always, right. always, always on, you're up at six, you're, you know, making sure your news feed's current, you're making sure that all of your stories have been assigned, you're not missing anything, you're working with a team of editors remotely, you're putting that, you know, you're publishing 10 stories a morning, right. um, hitting send by 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and um, getting a cup of coffee and then repeating it. So. Right. Now, that was, that's hard. People don't quite understand the pressures of, of a journalist. Yes. And on, and on top of that, trying to find new content too. I mean, tell us a little bit about your process there too, Laura. Like what, what are you doing to stay curious and to find things that inspire you to write or for you to have your team be writing? 
you know, you have to be able to let your editor, your staff um, identify their own key areas of interest, right? So some, you know, we had one person who really liked uh, quirky personal um, profiles. And okay. we went on to write uh, several, a couple which have won some nice awards. Um, I, I uh, you know, if you, if you have a chance, you know, you want to really dig in during our, our quarantine here, um, there's a, a couple stories by Ben Unglesby and Retail Dive that I think are worth, you know, curling up by the fire with, uh, it, not the least of which is this one on uh, finding the real Jay Peterman from this oh, show. Yeah. Um, he is a real retailer and he exists, by the way. Oh and my gosh. Um, I will be so, looking that up. Yeah. I mean, put Ben on a plane there. He went off. He wanted to drink bourbon with Jay Peterman. And I think he got close to the bourbon part, but maybe not quite. But um, it, and it's won a, a, a couple of awards. So, yeah, that that part was fun. So you have to, like, let your staff find their their mean, you know, where they want to dig in. Um, and then in terms of, for me, staying current, staying on top of things like by going to conferences, um, catching up with everybody, such as yourself and Chris. Uh, and, and, you know, making sure that I participate in conversations and social media and um, that's where I get the things that you share and, and our colleagues share that I hadn't been aware of, you know. It's a constant, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot, we all know, right? social media is overwhelming sometimes, but it is also a really wonderful way to stay current, learn new things. Um, and to, it, I try to make sure that I, I, I follow paths and not stay inside of a closed group because otherwise, you don't get anything new. And follow paths into new types of careers. I want to talk about what you're doing right now, um, talking about staying curious and on the cutting edge of, of where this retail industry is going. You recently took this job with Publicis Health Media. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that, Laura, and what interested you in the job and, and what you think this kind of path might look like in the next couple months as you take this new role on. Well, I joined Publicis um, with a different agency about uh, almost two years ago. Right. And that was part of the, you know, like, oh, I'm burnt out on journalism, the daily grind. Um, let's, let's see, I, I've, you know, 20 something years of, of experience and knowledge and, and, um, and contacts in the commerce space, right? And these are all their clients. So maybe there's a way to, to adapt to that world. And um, I did, I was with Performance for about a year and a half. And then I've moved over to Publicis Health Media. And when I started, my, my, my boss likes to send out an introductory email. And she says, you know, she asked me, she says, why, why did you choose health? Right? Because it seems a little bit far outside of my loop. Um, right. And I was like, you know, that's easy. After 20 plus years of trying to explain how people can sell more stuff. I would like to help people live better lives a little bit, you know, and, and I get the opportunity to do this, but yet still um, have one, one or two fingers on the pulse of the retail world because retailers play a very, very large role in, in health and media. And um, in particular at the moment, you know, we're seeing the rise of that, right? With, um, you know, Walmart and Target and CVS and Walgreens stepping up to, to really um, help with um, testing for the, coronavirus and and to um, really help if not create a solution help to participate in the solution and I think that we're going to see a lot in the future ways that consumers are going to be re-embracing or embracing um, the retailers they go to for their everyday needs in different medical ways and so I'm, I'm interested in that you know it's a new way to explore something that I've already been deeply involved with yeah 
is there is there anything yet, Laura, in this career that you've had, um, going all the way back to the early days of the grocery publication and chemical uh, processing plant publication <laughs> that you were working on? As you think about your career, is there anything that you still haven't done yet that you feel like it's on it's on the career bucket list for me um, that you can share with us? Hi. Um... That's a that's a hard one. It's not like I can, I, you know, I, I, it's not like I've, it's not like I've achieved everything, right? Um, but I am hopeful that I can do a little bit more on the for good side of the equation here. Um, the things, you know, that we do inside the industry and we talk about, you know, who's going to be successful and what products will 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 hit and what trends are. That's all right. fun, right? Um, but to see um, sort of an impact on the on the population in terms of um, making healthcare more affordable, um, creating solutions that are more accessible, um, making impactful change that will carry down the road—that's something I would like to do. It's a big picture, right? Um, but I'm I'm happy to be with an organization right now that is trying to do that in in many ways. Yes, it's it's an agency. Yes. You know the clients are who they are, and you know we represent pharma. And, but there's an opportunity to, there to to also um, to represent them in the right way and in a good way, and and to um, help with campaigns that that resonate. And so that's where I am with that. Well, um, I would say that you've you've definitely impacted some lives. One thing we didn't talk about is you were an adjunct professor at Columbia in Chicago teaching a lot of people how to do what you've done so successfully for these past few years. Um, I'm curious, Laura, I'm sure, one, I wish that I could have been a student in your class. What, an, what a fun class that would have been. My journalism school teachers were not quite as exciting and fun. And I certainly, <laughs> certainly, I don't know that I'd be meeting any of them for a drink post-conference in Vegas. But, um, but Tell me a little bit about those students and, you know, as you think about what you'd send them off with into the world, what was some of the advice that you would give them about, you know, this, this type of career and, and covering this industry? Oh, um, I did that for 11 years and I specifically, I taught a few different courses as an adjunct at Columbia College Chicago in the journalism school there. But um, the one that was my core class was business to business magazine publishing. So right. really specific, right? My sweet spot. Um, and it was required for our students to graduate from the magazine program. And it was not anybody's favorite class going into it, but I was always happy to hear the, the reviews on the way out, which was, we were dreading this, but we really loved it. It's one of our favorite classes at Columbia. Um, and the most useful, like one of my students once said, I feel like all my other classes um, teach me how journalism works, but I think that this one also teaches me how life works. Wow, and, Laura, that's pretty and, impressive. Well, thank you. I'm, but I, I know, I mean, because now we're right, we, I made them all pick a, a, an industry to cover for a semester. And so they had to learn about how, you know, um, retail works, although I had made them, retail is off the table for that one. Uh, <laughs> 
because I'm like, you know, Walmart's not going to call you back. Like that's the trouble with sources, right? You have right. to be able to start somewhere where they're going to sell off student journalists. So there, there was a lot of, you know, covering the coffee industry. They all wanted it to be music or, you know, because they're young and idealistic. So they had some, some lists, but the best was like, you know, I'm like cover dry cleaning, right? There's a dry cleaner on every yeah. block in the city and, you know, they're all independently owned and they're all going to talk to you. And there's a lot of moving parts inside. They need things like chemical supplies and packaging and POS systems and, and all of the things that, that go into that. And so anyway, I'm, I'm off in the weeds on this, but I, um, that was a lot of fun for me and it was a lot of fun for them. And so they got to learn how business works, which is about is life. Right. Right. And to talk to people in business and cold call these people and, it, it wasn't celebrity driven, you know, it wasn't about fashion, which is the things that, you know, and the, you know, a lot of these kids, they want to go on to write for the New York Times or the Atlantic or Vanity Fair, and that's very ambitious, and some do, some do. And then some of the best and brightest went on to write for B2B publishing companies. So I was very excited about that. And they get in touch and they say, you know, I, I just heard from one who said, I learned, I use something I learned in a class nearly every day. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really cool. Well, I, as a former journalism student, you know, you think that you're going to be doing all this hard hitting investigative reporting and, you know, this is going to be, you know, you're, you're in it for the cause. And I think what's really cool is that there is that element that you could ta you're talking about. You do have to figure out how you're going to pay the bills and what, you know, how you're going to earn your keep in this industry. And you did did a really great job of teaching them that. And I think not just teaching them that, but also showing them that, you know, you, you made your way through the ranks. And now what's really cool is that you are taking this, you know, you've taken this new position where you're, you're showing us all, you know, what a career in retail still could evolve to. It's not, you're not like pigeonholed to these certain industries or to these certain careers or, or particular trades, you, you're now in an area which probably didn't exist, you know, even a few months ago, this media and health and retail kind of mashup. Um, so I, I just, I think that's really commendable and, and it's showing that you are, you know, staying on top of it, staying curious. And it sounds like that's advice that you'd give to those students too. Yeah, I try. And I, I think that, um, you know, they get a lot. I was stunned by how much feedback they get from other people within the college, you know, about how hard. Yes, yes, journalism is a difficult field. Yes, it's contracting. Yes, there's layoffs all the time. Publishing has gone digital and that's impacted revenue streams. And a lot, you know, the, the number of working journalists today is much reduced from from when I started or you started or even when they started freshman year to senior year. So, so they're very anxious about all of that. And, you know, this shows them a path where they can work in, in publishing and in journalism and not start. Right. Right. You don't need to have three jobs. Maybe you can just have one or two, you know, right. Right. Um, but that was a big relief to them because there were days I'd come to class and there'd be like all long faces around the table. Like what in the world? Like, Oh, we just got a big lecture from so-and-so about how, you know, the Tribune just laid off a bunch more people and we should really reconsider our majors. I'm like, are you serious? This is what your college is telling you. I'm like, I just bought a new car and it's a nice one and we're all good. You know, right. Well, right. Don't worry so much. Work hard, be good at what you do, find your niche and run with it. So. Laura, if you, as you look back on this career that you've had, if you could go back and write somebody a thank you note who impacted your career, anyone, 
Um, doesn't have to be somebody that you worked with specifically, but if, as you look at that, who would you thank for the position that you're in today? Um, and what would you say to them? Oh, wow. Um, I really, and I still am in touch with one of these people. So I do say it to them. Um, you know, my, my editors from discount store news really made a big impact. They, um, taught me how to, uh, be a good reporter and be a good member of the industry and participate in a way that makes sense for a journalist without getting too chummy and, um, and how to be a leader. So I think that, you know, Tony Lasante and Jennifer Negley, who were the leaders, the, the editors at Discount Store News when I joined, um, are really critical in that. And I, to this day, stay in touch with Tony in particular. Um, I, I always, I, whenever I want to take a different job or find a new path, I ask his advice. So. So you're hanging on to those mentors. We should find oh, yeah. some. Yeah, and, to, and for some of my students, I, I, I find that they still reach out once in a while. Uh, so that's wonderful. Well, I certainly reach out to you and I, I, I'm curious if people um, were moved by this or they want to talk to you or meet you at a trade show or conference coming up, um, what's the best way for people to follow what you're doing, Laura? I think um, uh, to connect on LinkedIn and Twitter is probably one of the best venues. Um, I used to give out an e email, but I find that direct messages or direct tweets uh, seem to resonate a little bit more today. They, they, you know, rise above a lot of the noise of the inbox. Right. So, and we, and I want to learn what they're doing. So connecting with them is is also a good way for me to to broaden my worldview. Well, find Laura Heller on LinkedIn or what's your Twitter handle? Laura? At LF as in Frank Heller. My middle name is Faith. Thank you, Laura, so much for taking the time to do this. Um, well, I will certainly be continuing to follow where you're going. I'm really excited for what we're going to see from you in this new position. Um, and again, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, if you could have your own concert and you can choose three bands, dead or alive, for that concert, who are you choosing? I feel like we did have this conversation. Um, for sure, Nick Cave, The Bad Seeds. Mm. Uh, number one. Um, the Violent Femmes, because they're just so much fun. That's and, so great. <laughs> I love it. I love this question because it's like you, for one, it gives me a new Spotify channel to turn on because it's like you get, you get reminded of these bands that people are fans of. It's like, oh yeah, they were amazing. Okay. And Poydog Pondering, also fun. <laughs>